Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. My name is Daniel James, going to be your host through to 8pm this evening when Superfluidity will be taking over from there for the next couple of hours. Uh, you just heard uh, Vaughny on Double Bounce, another three excellent hours. I, thought, I caught the first couple of hours, but because I'm without wheels at the moment, I had to uh, get on a tram and, uh, and catch it in, which means I had to mix with, well, the Great Unwashed, which is something that I really like to do. This is why I'm a radio broadcaster, you see. Um, but what I did hear, Vaughn, it was most excellent, and we'll see you the week after next. Um, and I discovered that at the end of the 96 line is Triple R, and that uh, Triple R is, of course, on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present, and to any mob that might be listening in this evening to this very humble show of ours. Um, thank you to everyone that um, uh, at the station and, and, and who filled in for the show over the last couple of weeks while I was away on uh, Sorry Business. Uh, very grateful to the station and to those who filled in while I was gone. Now, 2023 continues to be a year that is moving along with great speed. Since I was here last, a number of things have, uh, have gone down in my absence, believe it or not. And... Let's just do a bit of a summary of what some of those things were. Uh, Since I was here last, the legislation that will trigger a referendum on the voice has been introduced to Parliament. The question that will be put to the people of Australia has been developed by the voice referendum working group and agreed to by the government. Although the federal opposition, I believe, is meeting today or this evening to work out whether they will, first of all, support the referendum full stop, but there are also um, rumours that they want to uh, play with some of the wording related to the question itself. I don't have the question in front of me, but it seemed like a pretty straightforward question and a fairly binary question for Australians to decide whether whether we want a voice to Parliament or not. Close to home here in uh, Victoria, the current First People's Assembly of Victoria has met for the last time before elections for a new assembly is um, before the elections for a new assembly start on the 13th of May, and they run uh, a few weeks. And if you're a First Nations person residing in Victoria and you want to enrol to vote in those elections, then head to firstpeoplesvic.org and you can enrol there. 
Similarly, if you are part of a traditional owner group in this place now known as Victoria, also head to firstpeoplesvic.org to nominate as a candidate. As mentioned on this show before, it's a crucial year for the treaty in the state. Um, a tremendous amount of work has been done up until now, but the negotiations in their truest form and truest sense, both statewide and locally, really start happening this year. And so who is elected to the First People's Assembly of Victoria has a very, very, very large scale of work to do and a very important job to do to make sure that this whole treaty business that we've been leading the way on here in Victoria, leading nationally in Victoria, gets across the line and that we have some, some meaningful treaty and treaties negotiated for, uh, well, for the foreseeable future. Now, what else has been happening over the last couple of weeks? Okay, the Victorian government has apologised to the Uruk Justice Commission for withholding, withholding internal police reports on systemic racism and confidential ministerial briefings on bail reform, among thousands of other documents. I'm not sure whether you remember or not, but the Uruk Justice Commission has the same powers as a Royal Commission, which, as we know, are extremely extensive. Now, the government claimed that it was simply overwhelmed by the amount of material requested by the Commission. But seriously, really, Crimea River government. I mean, I think of the, the, the hurdles, the amount of paperwork, the, the boxes that have to be ticked by community organisations everywhere, but the ones that I'm familiar with, of course, are Aboriginal community control organisations. And the amount of paperwork that is required from the government, full programs funded by government, for what are often very, very small pilot programs, um, the paperwork and the accountability is immense. And so when the Europe Justice Commission asks for a little bit of accountability, a little bit of access to some paperwork in return, they're lackadaisical about it. And we think now that you know the, the, there has never been more people employed in a public service sense by government. And so the apologies and the hand-wringing really do fall on deaf ears. Uh, in much sadder news, uh, tragically, there has been another death in custody since I spoke with you last. 27-year-old Aubrey Donoghue was shot in northern Queensland town of Mariba by what they call specialist law enforcement officers following a four-hour siege. That takes the death now, since the 1991 Royal Commission in Black Death in Custody, to what we estimate to be around about 517 black deaths in custody since that 1991 Royal Commission handed in its report. Um, there's really no words for it. It just continues to happen and people just continue to die at a rate of knots. And there is much that needs to be done about it. Hence, place um, organisations and commissions like Uruk requesting reports from places like the Victorian Police around systemic racism to find out what has actually been done about addressing that because Victoria has had its fair portion, as we know tragically through reporting on this show and others, that we've had our significant proportion of deaths in custody of First Nations people here since that time as well. Um, in the west of the state, since I last spoke to you, um, and just for the fifth time in Victoria's history, 
there's been a victory for traditional owners with a federal court determination being made to return rights to a stretch of land, including parts of the coastline of the Great Ocean Road, for the Eastern Mars people. The Eastern Ma is a name adopted by people who identify as Ma, Eastern Gujimara, Jabarong, Pequarong, Kurewarong, Kurunkapan, Nut, and Yuru Weich. So shortly I'll be speaking with uh, Jamie Lowe from the Native Nation, National Native Title Council about these developments. He's a good Dinjamara man himself, so he'll have plenty to fill us in on and work out exactly what that means for all of those mobs and what it means for uh, people that are not part of those mobs living in that particular area. Um, and in breaking news, just before I came into the studio, actually, um, there is a report from the ABC saying that Zachary Rolfe, the police constable that um, uh, unloaded three shots into Kamanaji Walker in the remote indigenous, indigenous community of Uimindu about four, year ago, four years ago, has been sacked by the Northern Territory Police Force. Was he sacked for the racist texts he sent with his fellow colleagues? Was he sacked for his racist attitudes as posted on various social media platforms? Was he sacked for unloading three shots into uh, an Aboriginal boy? No. Uh, as it turns out, he was sacked for what can be described as a Jerry Maguire 2,500-word statement published back online in February which basically decried the police, um, criticised a number of senior management within the police force, and as far as the Northern Territory Police Force was concerned, that was the final straw. It says, the report on the ABC says that he was dismissed from the Northern Territory, uh, Territory Police Force um, for what they are calling... Um, serious breaches of discipline during their policing career. So I'm sure more will come out about that in the following uh, days and, and weeks. But if you ask me, uh, he was dismissed four years too late. And another very sad news since I was last year, and as many of you would probably know by now, yesterday we lost the great Unipingu the Yolnu elder and leader of national significance, passed away. We could dedicate a whole show to his work and legacy, and perhaps at some point we will. But it's always good in times like these to hear from the person themselves in their own words. And his own words here are from 2016, when he knew his journey had begun to, had begun to come to an end after he uh, contracted serious kidney disease. And he said, back in 2016, I've lived my life's song cycle. I've done what I can to translate the concepts of the Yongku world into the reality of life. And of course, I have mixed feelings when I reflect on my life's work. I feel a deep sadness at times, yet I know that I've done much that is useful. I know that I've secured my family's birthright. We will not drift off with the tide. We will stand and endure. And our names will pass down through the decades and the centuries. End quote. Unipingo achieved that. Not only did he survive, he thrived despite it all. 
He achieved so much. He enriched the nation that tried so hard to diminish him and to, to diminish us. And we pay our respects to his family and to his mob. Vola Unipingu. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Welcome, and I hope you find the program useful because a little bit of effort goes into making it hopefully useful for everyone that tunes in. Now, to tonight's first guest. As mentioned at the top of the show, and after several years of negotiations and legal proceedings, the Easter Mar people were successful last week in their claim with the Federal Court in recognising their native title rights over a significant portion of the claimed area that, which proceedings started really in 2017. The Court's decision acknowledged the Easter Mar people's deep and enduring connection to the land and the importance of their cultural traditions and practices. This means that Easter Mar people now have the right to negotiate with the Victorian government and other stakeholders over the management and the use of the land, which we'll talk about in a moment, including access for cultural activities, conservation and economic development opportunities. It's an historic decision and here to discuss that decision is the CEO of the National Native Title Council, Jamie Lowe. Jamie is a Gunijumara Jabarong man and he's also the director of the Federation of Victorian Traditional Owner Corporations and advocates for the rights of traditional owners within the state of Victoria. And on top of that all, he is a member of the First People's Assembly of Victoria. He is a friend of the show, so I'm very pleased to welcome Jamie back to the mission. Welcome, Jamie. Yeah, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me back. No, thank you for um, uh, sparing us some, some time. Um, I really appreciate how busy you must be. Uh, it's an historic win. Um, first of all, tell us about the Easter Mar people and how this group of traditional owners um, came together to not only just launch this claim but to, to arrange a whole other bunch of business that uh, is pertinent to their communities. What can you tell us about the Easter Mar? Well, the Eastern Mar is an um, eastern portion of the um, uh, Gundijmara people. Um, Kraerong, Pikarong, Japarong, um, Mob, and many other clan groups um, in the southwest of Victoria. From the territory from around the Port Ferry area all the way down along the Great Ocean Road um, to around Lawn Anglesey, um, then up uh, northwest to around, you know, Bosset area and then further west back to Gary Word or the Grampian. So that's the territory we're talking about, if those listeners are not familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and made up of several clan groups. And I think one of the um, the, the strengths of our, of our people um, in, in a kind of ironic way is that um, we galvanised our people through Mission Station of Cramlingham Mission, yes. um, which is um, it's about 20 k's out of... Um, of Warnable, and a lot of our moblers still live there today. And there was a, um, I guess, a, a point of reference um, and a point of strength for our people to um, to lodge the native title claim. Now, the, the 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 claim was lodged in two thousand and five. Is that correct? Claim was lodged in two thousand and twelve. Actually, two thousand and twelve. Um, right. But but we started the preparatory work in the early 2000s. Yep. Um, so those who are familiar with native title claim processes um, would understand they take a significant amount of time. 
Um, so we're now into the um, 31st year of the Mabo decision, um, and now on our 30th anniversary of the actual the um, the handing down of the Act um, itself. So um, our mob have always been talking about our sovereign rights um, from from the beginning, but um, native title, I guess, uh, I guess, focused the group into the native title conversation. So. Even though the lodge, the claim was lodged in 2012, um, our mob have been talking about it for long before that. Yeah, it comes under the, the Commonwealth Native Title Act, which provides a legal mechanism for Indigenous peoples to claim and prove traditional ownership um, of land. The claim and the subsequent determination in favour of the claim covers 6,000-odd square um, kilometres. And I'm looking at a, at a map now, from the determination now, Jamie, and it's a it's a fair slice of land, and it's a beautiful slice of land. So it goes as far north to just east of uh, Ararat. It goes west as far as Penhurst, and it goes all the way down to just east of Warrnambool and all the way down to um, uh, Apollo Bay and uh, all the places um, in, in between. Um, in your view, Jamie, why has this... Determine what, what has this claim succeeded whether where other determinations have failed under the same act? Well, we know that um, our people, particularly in the southeast coast parts of Australia, have been heavily impacted by invasion yeah. um, by the colonies. And through that um, movement of country, etc., it's been very difficult for mob to actually because the burden of proof is on us to prove who we are and continued connection, et cetera, um, the country, you know. And, um, like, you know, we're fighting with the Jamaa for a reason. We stayed on country, um, continued to practice our, our culture and tradition, so that holds us in good stead for a native title claim. We know that the, um, there's quite a, the native title process is, is quite an unfair process for, um, for our people, but... Um, Especially, especially this far south, eh, Jamie? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so they, they told us in good stead, yeah. That's how our claim kind of got up, I guess. And, you know, just kind of sending a message out to the other mobs out there that haven't gone or, you know, had you know, negative outcomes. Is that, you know, there's other, um, I guess, outcomes on the way, treaty, et cetera. So, you know, looking forward to those processes as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a... Um you know, I think we had the, the Yorta Yorta uh, native title claim way back in 1998, and that resulted in a negative outcome um, for um, for a number of reasons. But I guess here in 2023, just like you said, Jamie, there are a whole bunch of other things that are in place that might enable you know mobs around the state to to get access to the to their traditional lands. And the world that is 2023 is very very different from the world that is um, 1998. Um, what what does you know? Let's let's get personal, if you don't mind, Jamie. What does this um, declaration mean for you for you personally and for and for your people? Well, I think thinking back to Tuesday last week when the um, the federal court came to country and um, handed down the determination, it was quite an emotional experience, not only to me but um, family and mob there. Uh, been such a long fight and such a long journey. Um, I can't help but think about the um, the past warriors that have fought for our, for our land to um, to our points earlier that you know that held our culture strong. Yep. Um, the applicants of the native title claim, many of them have passed now, and the 
you think about them and so it was quite an emotional experience, a, 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 a feeling of triumph, of course, but also reflection and, and also you start thinking about the journey ahead as well. So it's a, it's a mixed emotions, um, but, you know, thinking about my the young people, my daughter, and also at the same time the old people, you, you know, you just got to you feel humbled in a, in a, in a way, um, but also, you know, you know the fight's ahead of us. Um, to continue to um, assert our rights um, for country. I'm speaking with CEO of the National T- no, Native Title Council, Jamie Lowe, who's also a Kunditramara Japarong man first. And we're talking about the federal court's determination for the Eastern Ma people uh, last week that has given them around um, 6,000 um, square kilometres of uh, Native Title determination. Now, I-, I mentioned at the top of this interview, Jamie, that there would be things like uh, economic development opportunities, cultural activities and, and conservation um, of the land where practical, where negotiated with the state government and other stakeholders. Uh, what, what are some of the, the practical things that you can foresee as a result of this determination? Well, yeah, even at the outset, you, you mentioned the, the patch of land. It's, it's a significant area um, and of real estate um, down there in southwest Victoria, Pretty much taken um, majority of the Great Ocean Road, away yep. um, National Park, and so it gives us the right to not only continue to practice our, our cultural practice, our spiritual hunting, etc., um, but gives us the right to negotiate. And you know, some would say that's a pretty low bar, but you know, we use that as a more of a kind of platform to negotiate other rights, economic rights, um, yeah. that of all the developments that are happening along the road in particular, and other, you know, lands within our territory as well. Manage parklands, uh, managing country, something that's caused well mob. We've, we've done it forever. Um, we continue to do it. So it, it really puts a stake in the ground for um, for our people to say, you know, we've been proven for the federal court now that we are the right people for country, and we, we knew this all along, and now you have to speak to us. And um, asserting our rights through that process is, is critical. So... There's a lot of things going down there on the Great Ocean Road. We're trying to preserve it at the same time as also um, get our kind of, you know, our cut and kind of what goes down there as well. So that's a big thing to come, I think, for, for our people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to, to uh, well, it's not easy for us to forget, but it's easy for history to forget that for so much of the last couple of hundred years, traditional owners haven't had a seat at the table when it comes to what happens to our own land and so you know while you say that um the 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 bar for for negotiations and having a seat at the table is seemingly low but it it actually isn't is it jamie it's it's something that um we've been wanting and longing for 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 such a long time and this determination means that you have to speak to the eastern mar people if you want to do something if you want to negotiate something you have to have mob at the table to um, talk to and to negotiate with, and that's in itself quite powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite powerful, and it's, and it's not like a, it's not in isolation. There's other things that we're building from this as well, and um, not only do we have a seat at their table, that they're having to actually come to our table. So yeah. I think that within itself, that people are actually having to come to us and do things our way, I think is a thing um, that can't be denied. Um, and just kind of inserting the way we do business into conversations and making not only government but also industry and, and other developments um, listen to us and 
not only just trying to take advice of us, but we, we, we want ownership and equity, um, you know, opportunities within in our country as well. So I think that um, this is, I wouldn't say it's the beginning, but it's the start of something um, where we can kind of platform and, you know, create a better future for our young people. And it's, a, it's, it's something that is mutually beneficial. Of course, it's beneficial for, for, for mob and the Eastern Mar people, but it's it's beneficial for for broader society as as the, the the broader community now will have you know greater access to traditional customs and insights into the way land is managed and into spiritual practices and and stuff like that. That is the type of thing that adds value to the community as a whole. I would imagine. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like even just kind of like if you're a tourist driving through the community, just you know having the opportunity to have the um, the First Nations interpretation of the area that you're in, I think that creates a significant value yeah. um, as well. Um, relationships within the townships, like places like Warrnambool and other townships within our um, area, that you know it's an, almost an act of reconciliation. You know, you got city councils that paying attention, you got schools paying attention, so. The education system lifts its game. The city council lifts their game um, in a whole lot of areas. So that has to go away to kind of benefit not only our mob, um, but the broader community in general and just creating a, great, a greater understanding of um, who we are and what we do. Absolutely. How, you know, you're a member of the First Peoples Assembly of Victoria. How will um, this determination for the Eastern Mar people, how does that affect the, the treaty process, if at all? Well, I think it puts us in good stead to um, be um, our mob be negotiating treaty. We can be, you know, potentially be the first of the bat to negotiate a traditional treaty mm-hmm. um, in years to come. So it really it locks us away um, from a government perspective. Say we are the right people for country. You need to be talking to us, and then we can use our native title rights to then to negotiate our further outcomes of the treaty process. Not only from a state government perspective, but hopefully. Um, sooner rather than later, the federal government will pull the trigger on um, treaty as well. So it puts us in the box seat for those negotiations, given that it's, um, it's a federal court outcome. Yeah, we forget that um, you know while there are treaty processes at the state level, state and territory level across the place, there are whole swathes of laws and, and, and regulations that only the Commonwealth can either enact or change. And so a Commonwealth treaty at some point will be very welcome for, for traditional owners. But this really puts uh, you and your people in a very strong position because there are no ifs and buts about whether this is your land or not and it's been determined. And so when it comes to negotiation of a treaty or treaties, um, there is no going past the Eastern Mar people when it comes to your own land now. Yeah, that's spot on. And I, I couldn't say it any better. There's no going past us. We're... we're... We always knew it. We always, always was, always will be. Um, and now we've we've had to prove that with the highest bar that this country's got, which is a title process. And I think now into the future, the only way is up for, you, for our mob. Did you party hard, or did you just have a quiet one? When, when no, you I had found a quiet it? one actually, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's where you and I are yeah. different, Jamie. <laughs> I know. Well, I usually have a crack, but um, but this time, yes, that's some other obligations on. But I think it's a bit of a rain check for our mob. We'll have to catch up and, yeah, and you know, make sure that 
celebrate into the night, brother. <laughs> there, is, there is plenty of time down the track. Now, I just want to, before I let you go, Jamie, I just want to ask you a couple of um, other things. Um, you have been a, a member of the first iteration of the First People's Assembly of Victoria. That um, particular assembly's time is coming to an end. There are elections uh, happening in uh, May and through to June. Um, do you have any reflections on your time on the um, in the assembly? And um, uh, are you? Oh, let me ask up front: Are you going to nominate again to be part of the next iteration? I'm, I'm not going on again and put that out there. So, um, and but um, I wish um, all my best wishes to the mob that do go around again. It's been a like, a, like to be chosen by my people to represent um, on the state level has been, you know, always a humbling experience, and I've done I've done that well, and just kind of all the other members, um, those that are running again, those that aren't, um, just a shout out to them that they've done incredible work through the last um, few years to actually get to the point where we are now and set the next um, assembly up to start negotiating the state treaty. Um, like one of the big reflections that I say a lot is that the diversity of voices in there, which I think was fantastic, and just having those kind of the rigour within the conversations, which I thought was great and just brought out the best outcome. So those mobs that, you know, whether young, old, middle-aged like me, um, whatever, um, you know, I would encourage you to run if, you, if you're not, if you kind of, you know, on the fence about it. Just um, have a crack at it. You never know. Um, if you're not enrolled to vote, 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 have your say, especially those young mobs that have just turned 16 in the last couple of years, have a say, and, um, yeah, only good things to come, I think, for, for the next chamber. And if you want to enrol and if you want to nominate uh, to be part of the Assembly or to merely vote for the Assembly, if you're 16 years or older and uh, you're a uh, First Nations person living in Victoria, just head to firstpeoplesvic.org and you can find out all the details there. And one last thing before I let you know, let you go, um, uh, Jamie. Um, we lost the the great Unipingu uh, yesterday, and it would be remiss of me to um, have um, anyone on this show uh, this evening and not ask you about your reflections of, of of the great man and what he achieved during his lifetime. Uh, listen, I just like hearing that news, that um, sad news yesterday. You, um, like we were kind of saying earlier, it makes you reflect. Not only with the mob up there and the um, up north, and thinking about what the sorry businesses they're going through, but um, you think about your own old people that have passed as well. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. Staunch, yeah, and and like all that staunch leadership and the fights and the battles and the kind of you know the wins or the you know more kind of you know the wins and losses, all that kind of stuff. You just, you just kind of you, it really kind of gets you a little bit, and um, I know that. The mob up there had some unfinished business, as, as we all do. So just um, a shout-out to um, the, to all the people that had close relationships um, there and um, wish you all the best. So, yeah, this staunch, staunch mob and, you know, continue to fight, fight for our mob. Yeah, very well. Very well put, Jamie. Uh, like, like you said, when the news came through yesterday... Of course, I reflected on uh, Unipinga's loss and his, his community's loss, but I also immediately reflected on the loss that we um, have suffered with a number of our elders, um, uh, having got us a long way down the road, but not actually quite, quite getting to the point where they would have been satisfied and where we're satisfied. And so in many ways, that's the, the greatest challenge, uh, challenge and, and tragedy in terms of losing some of our elders at um, relatively young ages. But for the time being... 
Uh, let's just bask in the glory of the federal court's determination for the Eastern Ma people and see that as a, a win, not only for um, uh, you and your people here today, but also for uh, your ancestors and our elders. So, uh, Jamie, thanks very much for coming on the show once again. Uh, like I said, brother, thanks for having me any time. Pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.